Proverbs 31. Proverbs 31. As we consider the section just prior to the description of a a wise woman in the sight of God, in the sight of the world, a wise woman would be a woman who knows how to get what she would like to get. This world's definition of someone who's wise, someone who is worth admiring and worth emulating is one who's able to get what he or she wants. Because the spirit of the world is about, like the leech, and the daughters of the leech, that we read recently about, give me, give me, give, give. When a person looks at another individual, the world applauds. The Bible says anyone who does good for himself or herself, the world applauds that person. Self-gain. Because the spirit of desire working in the people of the world is after self-gain. This is why the magazine covers, the media people in your neighborhood, in your family, on the job. The eyes usually of people are on what watch they're wearing. Men and women, what shoes they're wearing, what kind of clothing, what kind of cologne or perfume they're wearing. There's an assessment of the work of an individual that can even go to the subconscious level because it is a spirit, a false spirit of assessment of a person's worth. All based upon the things which after all do not really matter. The question is, What kind of man or woman are we supposed to be as God-fearing citizens of heaven waiting to get on that train that will take us to our destination? We have the ticket, but while we're waiting for the train to heaven, Are we going to the shops nearby that have nothing to do with the train that we're supposed to get on and focus on? Are we looking at the people and the crowds and the villagers? This one's smoking this and that one's doing this and that one's dancing, that one's drunk out of his mind and this one's spending all day polishing his car. Just people oblivious, it seems, to the reality of God and the presence of God and the requirements of God to live because he's the giver of life. He's also the one who will require it at our hands what we do with our lives. 
This world is passing away. The Apostle John writes by the Holy Spirit, 1 John 2, 15-17. All the desires of the world are passing away. So as a believer, what kind of desires should I have? The other day we mentioned we want to go from the philosophy that we may espouse in our minds right to the practice. God's not interested in philosophers as much as he's interested in practitioners. We want to go right from the theory to the actual application. God's not interested in theorists as much as in people who will apply and practice what they've heard. This is a famous chapter. You'll often see this quoted, especially as we approach Mother's Day, and where there's a birthday of a, a woman, Mother's Day, or some achievement. Among those in Christian circles, it's a favorite chapter because it is supposed to give a description, a character description of a woman that's worth admiring and emulating. It seems as if the mother of King Lemuel would fit that description, at least in part, from what we heard yesterday on the exposition of her drive in giving her son godly counsel which included a blessing and a curse just like the Lord gives in the Bible. Anyone who dwells on the promises of God unduly which means while ignoring the warnings of God will live a, not only a, an imbalanced life, it will actually be a false life. Because the Lord is the one who says, don't add to the word and don't subtract from the word. In the Garden of Eden, the woman that was given wisdom, godly covering Eve, who's known as the mother of all living, she listened to someone that came and added to God's word and subtracted to God's word, subtracted from God's word. Do we realize that? Satan will come to add to God's word. Whatever God said, he has something better. There's a modification and a little twist here and there. And it appeals to people who are Desiring their own gain. He'll come to subtract from God's word. Usually, he won't come to try to subtract the promises or from the promises as much as from the cautions. If someone is driving on the highway... And there's a change in the speed limit in a certain zone on that highway. Going from, let's say, 55 to 65 miles an hour. Satan 
won't be so interested to keep back from the people that, you know, it's a 65-mile zone. Uh, you can use this to get to your destination faster. He doesn't want that. He doesn't want us to benefit from the uh, additional promises and blessings and avenues by which we can get more dividends and obedience. As much as him not wanting us to know the cautions that can kill us if ignored. That's why the Apostle says there's a false gospel also. And there's a perspective and a lens and a spirit of falsehood from the Father of Lies that comes to Christians to try to cloud their minds and their eyes, even as they read something like uh, well-beloved, straightforward proverb, like Proverbs 31. There's a danger of familiar familiarity with the Word of God that can cause us to not hear what the Spirit is saying. Just because we've read it before, or we've heard it before, or we even preached from it or used it. Just like with prayer, so with the Word of God, every time we engage in prayer, every time we read the Word of God, It's important to understand who we are dealing with, who we're talking to. Have you ever considered that maybe one day all the prayers that we prayed in private and in public, especially in public, all of them may be tested by the fire of God All the times we've read the word, how we read will be tested by the fire of God. All the times we preached, how we preached or spoken to other people, evangelized, thought about the word, thought about God. It will be tested by the fire of God, whether we'll actually be called to see will be called to be tested by the Lord. Everything. And so even what we read here in Proverbs, we need to look at it fresh. Who can find the virtuous wife? God's going to give us what he considers admirable, that we should admire. God is
God is showing us what to desire and how to desire. Because our desires can be from God or from the devil. No human being is in a neutral position. Heaven and hell seek to influence that person. Heaven to save that person. God's influence is for our welfare, for our good. The devil's influence is to destroy us, to deceive us. And if he can't get us to admit some other religion in this world as the way to lose our souls and destroy our lives and other people, he'll come to the Christian and make the Christian feel smug. As we say, like the frog that's in that water. It's sitting, it's comfortable. Sitting in the pot of water. It's getting very cozy. The one that's going to devour that frog doesn't want the frog to leap out of there. So the temperature is increased ever so slightly, degree by degree. And with every increase in that temperature, the frog thinks it's a wonderful spa or sauna. It's more comfortable until it boils to death. We need to know what God is speaking. We need to know that God is the one who tests the hearts and reins, the mind. So the best thing and the quickest way to really please God and to grow in Christ and to not be deceived is to remember that every word and every prayer and every way in which we hear the word and apply or fail to apply will all be tested by God. At the end of the day, it's not how many sermons I preached, how many people wrote nice things or said nice things, how many people commended you. We really need to take all of that, as they say, with a grain of salt. Ultimately, it doesn't matter because our judge is God who sees right to the heart. So there's a fear of God, as it says in Ecclesiastes, be careful what you speak, because remember, God is in heaven, you're on the earth. And so we can apply that also to how we hear. And that's why the Lord says, circumcise your ears, circumcise your heart. So the familiarity with Proverbs 31 and having heard about a virtuous wife and this noble woman, you can just go right over our heads and be like water on a rock could say, I feel good. I just took a bath from the Word of God. I got a washing today. God's not uh, interested in how we feel pumped up with anything to do with Him, with the Word, with Heaven, with the Kingdom of God. He's looking for the practice. And you know where He's looking for the practice? Right from where it matters, in the heart. So the world admires people who do good for themselves and they can get their desires met. That's admirable. Look at that person. He knew what he wanted. She knew what she wanted and she got it. I want to be like her. What did she get? Adulterous affairs. Money ill-gotten. Flattery and giving flattery. 
oppressing people, an air of pride, flashy clothing, seeking to seduce, seeking to pump oneself up, looking for self-worth in all the wrong places. That's what the world is after. Those desires of the world will perish, God says. The world and its desires, the whole thing will perish. Peter said it's not going to just fade away like someone sleeping. It's going to perish with fire from heaven, much more intense than what fell on Sodom and Gomorrah. Peter said the entire universe will be melted. Melted. Can you imagine mountains really melting before you? The stars melting, the sun, everything's going to be gone. So the author of Hebrews, by the Holy Spirit, says, if everything is going to be shaken, everything's going to go, we're nearing that time. There's no question about it. And it seems we're nearing it in a rapid pace now, more than ever. Peter asked the question, as with the Holy Spirit speaking in Hebrews, what is the end result of your faith? Are you prepared to meet what God has prepared for His people, and at the same time also the people who don't know God? Hebrews says, if all these things will be shaken, are you part of that which won't be shaken? Too many people today say, oh yeah, I'm part of that crowd, I know. I know God loves me and I'm part of it. We can know, but the question is, does God know that? Or is it some surprise for Him? He doesn't know. We want to make sure that God knows that we are right. Not convince ourselves that we're right, I'm right. We want Him to commend us and test us. Because when He does it, the true colors will be manifested to the whole universe. The Bible says in Corinthians, it's better to judge ourselves now so we don't get judged later. There's an out. Hallelujah. There's a way that I can escape judgment. I don't have to be afraid when the entire world will be trembling, looking to run and say, mountains fallen as we can't face Him who sits on the throne, His wrath and the wrath of the Lamb. Every nation, every family, every person you know are going to try to run from God one day because of fear. Fear like they've never known before because they're about to be thrown into hell. Their own consciences will scream at them at that day. Like a magnet, they'll all be drawn to the white throne judgment. But we can escape that. How? We can escape regret. Yes, by the blood of the Lamb. But are you in the blood today? Are you under the blood today? Can we say... Lord, you've made an out. It's not enough to sing nothing but the blood of Jesus and all the praise songs we know. The hymns. God's not interested in singers. As much as in souls that tremble at his word and put into practice. Many things we do, we do because it tickles our own ears, our ego. God says, stop. I'm interested in whether you're doing what I told you or not. So the people of the world, they're headed toward disaster. 
And Peter says, if the whole universe is going to be melted, everything's going to be destroyed, can I claim virtue like this godly woman in Proverbs 31 that will stand not only the test of time in this temporal world, yielding great dividends for my life, for my family. Notice it speaks about her husband, her children. Why will they rise and call her blessed and praise her? Because she's one who's truly wise according to God's wisdom. She's not a self-centered, lazy person. Carousing person, wandering eyes after men and after merchandise. She's after the Master's heart. Peter says if all things are going to be destroyed, the book of Hebrews says everything's going to be shaken that can be shaken. Only that which cannot be shaken are going to remain. Peter says, what manner of persons ought you to be? Godly fear with holiness. So I can judge myself now? How? Every time I hear the word of God to tremble in a good way, yes, with rejoicing for all the promises of God, the love of God overwhelms us. But as was mentioned, anyone that claims the love of God without the truth of God and does not tremble at the word of God with the rejoicing, there's a problem there. They're actually twisted in their minds. They've effectively been hoodwinked, deceived by the imposter who came to pump them up and they went with it without realizing the pitfalls that God said to avoid. With all the pumping up, they have a massive fall into some pit. And they wonder, but God, I worshipped you, I praised you, Lord. I read your word and I was in church, I don't know what happened. The Lord said, didn't I tell you that if you receive my word with meekness, humility, and put it to practice, you'll prosper? There'll be no fear of falling into any pit. The fear of the Lord keeps a person safe from harm. God's promise stands. But you've got to have the fear of the Lord. This woman fears the Lord. At the end of the description of this woman, she fears the Lord. Does anyone know today, women preachers and men preachers and women's groups and women's Bible studies, it seems we have a plethora of Christian material available on the internet, at Christian bookstores, Yet the society, as we read recently, is not pure, any purer for it. How come? Seems they're still selfish, as we heard last evening. There's an impulsive drive to be frustrated quickly and to be condemning people and don't get into my zone. It's a disgusting revelation of hypocrisy for all the word that a person's heard, men and women. And especially when we look at this woman, who was a virtuous woman, a noble woman, a woman of valor and courage, the way God defines it. People define courage, you know how? This woman was the first one to cross the Atlantic with this plane. This woman... She made it to the moon. This woman fought and fought and was able to compete with the best of the best among men and out-wrestled the man. This woman, they tried to 
put her down and she made her money. And all these other women stood up to fight for the love of this man and this woman. She got it. What is our value system? We need to hear this because you know why? Not only do we need to safeguard our own souls, like the mother of King Lemuel, how can we ever pass on godliness to our children unless we are clear on what matters before God and embrace that, add nothing to it and subtract nothing from it? This woman is worth far above rubies. Today we have imitation jewelry. Back then, hardly. Compared to today, hardly. People weren't interested in fake stuff. Now, granted, they didn't have the technology to make a lot of fake stuff as much as today. However, they also, I believe, had a better value system even when it comes to merchandise. That's why often people from many years ago, maybe your grandparents or older people, Maybe even yourself, depending upon where you used to shop and what you used to buy. You can see the quality of craftsmanship, the materials provided, everything's on the whole going down. Cheap material is being used to make cheap merchandise to satisfy cheap people. Rubies. Pearls. And that man that the Lord said sold everything that he had to get that pearl of great price. It was genuine. That means it was worth hundreds of thousands of dollars perhaps an equivalent today, maybe millions. God doesn't deal with fake stuff. And it's not to condemn or anyone to feel condemned if you wear fake jewelry. or It's not the point. The point is when it comes to our soul, Are we going for the fake stuff? The fluff and stuff to make me feel good and look good? Whose image are we bearing? And before whom will our image be tested? The word imagination and the word image they're related of course imagination, what image are, am I dreaming about all the time within my heart? It's very critical because out of the heart come the issues of life. What I think about, what I value, I can say a lot about God from my mouth. I can just talk like a parrot and parrot everything I've heard about the virtues of a godly woman, uh, Ten Commandments, I can speak about what Paul said to Timothy and maybe what Timothy said back to Paul. God's not interested in talk. He's looking for action. This woman was not a woman who spoke only. A lot of action. You see, action. These days, people are very much taken away by words. And to the degree you can exert or self-assert the charisma, the way you can manipulate, put somebody down and make somebody laugh and a lot of foolishness abounds. God says, don't think that way anymore. It's vanity, idolatry. 
Think of what God values. Stick with that. Assess life the way God assesses it. May the imagination of our hearts be pleasing to God. This woman, we can tell, guaranteed, even though we don't have her thoughts recorded per se, specifically. We don't have her journal. But you know what we have? God's journal about her. That's what matters more than anything else. Many people have diaries and journals. Some people have thousands of pages of journal notes and all kinds of things that they jot down. But what's going to actually matter is God's record about us. We can write something about our day. I felt like this, she said this, I said this, and I prayed and cried my heart out in the presence of God and I fasted and everything. Maybe in God's book it will say, blank for that day. We say, God, how could you? But I prayed, Lord. I sang. I gave testimony about you. Lord, I, I went and helped these people. I did charity work. Maybe for that day in our life, heaven's record is blank. And there's some other things there, which is hypocrisy. What a horror. It's true. In many, many people's cases, it's true. That's the actual record of that day. Maybe that week, maybe that month. Can we afford to wait till we get to Judgment Day? To have all that said, and it can't be retracted? The consequences will be given at that time. The Lord says, I'm coming quickly to give to everyone reward according to what they've done in their bodies. We have to say, Lord, you're giving me an out right now. You're telling me I have to be so pure. By the blood of Jesus, by the word of God. By yielding to the Holy Spirit. That there's one standard, only one, before you. Not many different standards of what I think and she thinks. There are many people, even in our church, who've come from places. They said their pastor, female pastor or male pastor, condones drinking in the church. Maybe even drinks herself. But wow, what a sermon she can preach. Or look at the way she has authority, even and especially over the men in the church. She knows how to speak to them. She's the big mama. She's the one in charge. Everybody knows that. Look at the way she carries herself. Everybody's afraid of her. She's got authority. And she preaches, I have authority. And there's a hierarchy in the body of Christ. And I'm going to appoint deacons today. And brother so-and-so and sister so-and-so. They're close to me. I like them. And the chicken that sister so-and-so made for that church picnic. I like that. I think we'll put her on the committee. Haphazard, ungodly, fake leaders and laity alike. The show's going on. The drinking going on, adultery going on cursing going on but it's a church it's a family and look 
we're going to go out to the community, be on TV, and let people know that Christ is the leader of our community. Many, many words. At the end of the day, even if their ministry was 70 years long, the person lived to be 105. We read about the fire, it's never satisfied. We throw a piece of paper into a campfire, you just watch it burn, it's an awesome thing. It just consumes everything. You throw some logs, it just consumes everything. Everything's consumed. God said there's a fire that will consume everything that doesn't come from Him. Everything. Especially ministry. Anything we did for God. This woman is commended by God. He recorded. Doesn't say who she was specifically. Naming her. But it says what type of woman will make it on that day. We see a description. Often we may look at the Apostle Paul describe his life or David when he's walking with God or Abraham, Daniel and Joseph and sometimes our lens is so clouded that we think these are some admirable qualities. I like that. Dare to be a Daniel. I like it. Let's make that the motto for our high school wrestling team. Why not? It's a Christian coach. A whole bunch of boys. Mom, my coach is a Christian. That's wonderful. Does your coach drink? Is your coach an adulterer? Is your coach an idolater? Is he after food? Gadgets? A good time? Or is the fear of God in that man's bones and hearts, heart that his agenda for being the coach wherever God's placed him is to convey the sense of the love and fear of God? as God enables. As a mother and a wife, God says, there should be an effect on your husband and your children. Without question. It's not enough to say I'm a Christian and I've told them. A hundred times i told them. God is God. We don't worship gods. Jesus died on the cross. Lord, you know I preach to them. The test of a person's creed and their profession of faith and their preaching is the effect of it, generally speaking. Why generally speaking? Because there is a generation, there is a group, such as in Jeremiah's day and other prophets, that they just won't listen. Yet the prophet, the preacher, even the prophet is, they're pure. And it's coming a stream from heaven. Nothing added, nothing subtracted. It's enough to do the job. But the people are so wicked, the children are so wicked, the husband and wife are so wicked, that they have made up their mind, I'm going to serve the devil, you can't do anything about it. They'll head toward destruction. There's a principle, but there's also the 
people that would insist on being the exception. You have to say, have it your way. But generally speaking, a mother and a wife, according to what we read here, not what I'm saying, or anybody thinks, verse 11, because her worth is far more than rubies, the heart of her husband safely trusts in her, so he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil. Notice, it's not just monetary gain. There are some husbands who are after money and property and materialistic things. They'll praise their wives from dawn till dusk. Why? Because she's a smart woman. Look at how much money she's bringing. She sure brings in more money than me. Because of her, I have the house I live in. Because of her, I drive the car I'm driving. Because of her, I can go hunting. Look, she bought me the best rifle. And I have the best bowling ball. She's a great woman. And you have a great wife. I wish my wife could bring me stuff like that. That's not what God is talking about. He's talking about diligence that will do the good for the man's soul. So, right away we see that the definition of a good wife, a virtuous wife before God is, one that would actually bless the spirit, the soul, the inner man of her husband. She'll do him good, not evil, not just in the physical world. But all these things have a application to the soul. We remember, whatever we read from Genesis to Revelation, even with regards to the patriarchs or Israel, it's all for us becoming the true Israel of God. And so, she does good for the man's soul. Now, how many women that you know are Christians genuinely care? Just as the husband is called in the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, to sanctify the wife, and we've heard that message before. His intent is, how can I beautify my wife's soul? Do my best to help her to become more beautiful, more beautiful in the sight of God. How many Christian men do you know think that way? According to the Spirit, biblically. How many Christian women? That my effect on my husband, as this virtuous woman, should be to draw him closer to God. In the book of Peter says, uh, there's a woman that is godly, that without arguing, fussing and fighting and preaching all day long, and hitting the husband over the head with this verse and that, and why don't you do this, by her purity, by her meekness, by her wisdom, quietly exerts an influence on the husband. All the values are upside down, isn't it? There's a faith and there's a life behind any word that even without a word, the husband can be won over to the Lord. What a power a woman can wield from heaven by her purity, her meekness. Hallelujah. We've seen some husbands who have been won over by some really godly women because they have connected with God and understood everything I thought of the self-assertion and preaching 
and throwing my weight around and telling them who's boss here and Christ is the head and I'm not listening to you, husband. It was actually not from God. It was another spirit under the guise of a Christian woman's spirit, Christian mother, Christian wife. This woman is all about action. And she's diligent in taking care of the husband's needs. And the husband's heart trusts her 100%. Because he knows she's doing good to him, not evil. And there's evidence of that diligence, of her virtue. All the days of her life, she seeks also wool and flax and works willingly with her hands. She's like the merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. She also rises while it is yet night. What does that signify? You know, somebody says, well, I work nights to help my husband and help my family. So I can't apply this. We know that's nonsensical. Speaking about the diligence that she's not into pampering herself. How many people you hear today how many preachers, how many messages, how many groups? They appeal to the flesh. No wonder people flock. Oh, I like that group. I like that church. I like that teaching. I like that event. You know why? It's about pampering myself. Boosting my ego. There are many, many people who flatter on holidays. It's one thing to forgive and overlook. But it's another thing to flatter. How many women we've heard and been in churches and organizations as soon as Mother's Day comes around, Father's Day comes around, birthday comes around, anniversary, baptism, whatever it is, whatever. It's flattery time. You flatter me, I flatter you. We're all happy now. Maybe on that day, the record that would depict that individual getting all that honor in God's book, the page for that day, is not only empty, other things are written there. While people are flattering one another, you're such a godly woman, we're in the church, a so-called spirit-filled church, Young lady, young man, the husband was a police officer, the lady was a teacher. A lot of income coming in. The church was a lukewarm church. Basically everybody did what they felt like, but they had a great time coming together. A lot of laughter. And this young lady who was a teacher was telling others I believe she conveyed to Pastor Kerber one day this is many years ago that this woman is such a godly woman she's my spiritual mother and the woman she spoke of was very pleasant to speak to seemed very nice but the effect of that woman on this young woman was zero when it comes to the spiritual things. 
because this young woman lived the way she wanted to fighting with the husband going after money what are you transferring if you're a godly spiritual role model what are you transferring to the people because you're older you know how to speak Christian lingo you know how to praise the other one for all they're doing and invite them to knitting and tea parties and all these things we have to really assess anybody calls me godly am I really godly am I supposed to take that and smile and say thank you and say you're godly too What's the truth? Who wants to hear the truth? It should be true. But flattery abounds in the church today more than ever. I wonder what God says when somebody calls you godly, calls me godly. That's the, what's going to matter. When somebody says, that's my spiritual mom or a spiritual role model or that's my spiritual sister or that's my godmother or godchild or whatever. A lot of words... We need to know what God thinks about those words. There is an aspect where we need to overlook transgressions, forget the past, start on a new page. Why? That's how God is when we're sincere. And He does it for us. Who are we to judge other people? See, there's a balance. We don't take the word and we think, you know, I can't ever say anything good and who knows the person's heart. No. We have faith and we have forgiveness and we have Understanding, God took me from where I was. Who am I to judge and can I put somebody down or be suspicious? No. Be loving. Speak kindly. Even this woman has a law of kindness on her tongue, in her mouth. But that's different from flattery, you see. May God help us. May God help you to know the difference between speaking kindly as love in 1 Corinthians 13, thinking the best, but also refraining completely from flattery. Because the two don't go together. But this woman is the real deal. God testifies to all her actions. She gets up early while it's yet night. A woman, a man, a child needs a certain amount of sleep. We're human beings. But there's a characteristic of the mother and this wife's life that she's not into pampering herself. Doesn't mean she doesn't take care of herself. She's probably very well dressed because she worked hard to get good material. And she knew she's representing the Lord. But her eyes are not on the outward clothing by the inner heart, as it says in the book of Timothy and in Peter. What a beautiful life when the inner person looks beautiful in the eyes of God. But it says she rises while it's night, showing that she cares about her husband and her children more and she cares about herself and that's what's important to note she has a goal because she knows I have a lot to get done 
I can't afford to be an idolater and an adulterer and spiritual adultery. I have an agenda. I've got to make sure my husband is taken care of and my wife, uh, my, my children are taken care of. In what way? Not just like any other mother, wife in this world, regardless of religion. Instinctive motherly characteristics to take care of the young and take care of domestic duties. And even if she works outside, to make sure she has what the family needs. Something more. There's something more. How could it go over the heads of people? How can people sit on Mother's Day in churches? Just come there with no understanding. Getting flattery, giving flattery. Have no concept of what it means to fear the Lord. What the definition is, first of all. What it means to do good to your family. From God's perspective. Who is the virtuous woman in the sight of God? Imagine if that understanding was there. There'd be a revival for in every home, starting with the mother, the wife. The husband will know. My, I can't get my wife to sit down and watch some foolish thing on TV. He'll tell everybody, including the wives of his friends, she doesn't do that. Well, what does she do for fun? She relaxes when she finishes her work. She gets recharged in prayer. And I want to tell you something. I may not agree with her. This husband may say if he's not in tune with the Spirit of God. But he'll say, I wouldn't have it any other way because we're truly blessed by my wife. Why? Because my children, the way they're growing up, they're really godly children. Wow. Who wouldn't want that? I don't have to worry about them doing this or that or wasting resources and jeopardizing their lives and other people's lives. The heart of a husband trusts safely in her. She's one who's diligent. Her love is for God first and then she loves her husband and children so deeply that she's continually thinking about their welfare and what to do to make them better people in every way. She provides food for her household and a portion for her maidservants. She considers a field and buys it. For her profits, she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and strengthens her arms. She perceives that her merchandise is good. Maybe you've never heard anything like what you're hearing now. Maybe some people think it's pretty harsh. I mean, what kind of prelude is this to Mother's Day? I'll tell you what, I'm speaking the truth in the sight of God. Look at the prophets. I don't have to reference the prophets. I didn't read it all night to come here and apply that to what people perceive as good mothers. The Spirit of God is recorded all over the Bible. The difference between faithfulness, real faithfulness, and flattery. Fakeness. It's our choice. Every time I've heard someone who's anointed over the years, not many, sad to say, not many at all. I've heard thousands of people preach. From cassette tapes when they used to be in vogue, to CDs, to DVDs, to internet streaming, books upon books, 
I've been in many places. I was hungry. But I can honestly say, very, very few, among all the people and all the movements I've seen and been in, truly anointed. Why? Because they don't want to take the word as it is. And there's this tremendous value that a human being places, sad to say, even Christians, even ministers, on what the people think about me. What they'll say, whether they'll still be my friend. God says, if that's the way you're going to approach life and ministry still, after I saved you from that mess, you're going to be set up for more and more delusion as time passes. That's the way it works. But if I say, Lord, all these years I've heard a handful of anointed preachers, truly anointed preachers, among thousands. But when they spoke, it was not pleasant. It was unsettling. And I, part of me wished I could get away from that and go to other places where I can be comfortable in the way I want to live. But I made a decision a long time ago. I don't like fake because God doesn't like fake. I want to hear the truth. Most people are not like that, but some are. I want to know the whole truth because I know God is true and that's what's going to hold that on that day. Whether I've conformed to His truth, that's it, period. And so may the Lord speak to your hearts, not only if you're a mother or mother-to-be or a wife or wife-to-be or have been, and to the men, the young men. Know what God says about a godly woman. And in reflection, know if God requires that of a woman, how much more of a man who's supposed to leave the home? If the woman is doing so much good for the husband and the children, how much more should the father understand and the husband that he's supposed to promote godliness in the home? These words and phrases are lost in our generation. What do you mean promote godliness? You're supposed to put up posters? supposed to play Christian music all day long? No. It's from your heart, your value system, whether you're diligent, first and foremost in pleasing God yourself and then helping your wife and children to get closer to God. Get rid of everything that defiles in the home. Every activity. is a set, When you go on vacation, is it, is it centered on God? Or you say, God, thank you for giving us the tickets to Disney World and giving us a safe trip. Go there, he, he, and ha, ha. Rolled in the mud. We did this right and that. Look, let's send pictures home. Or before we set out, have we prayed, Father, thank you for your tender mercies. Thank you, Lord. Giving us the opportunity to go on this trip or this event. Thank you, Lord, for our family. Thank you for sparing us, Lord. Oh, God. Go before us, Lord. You guide us. and Lord, help us to represent you wherever we are and to win some souls. Lord, we got some tracks with us. Lord, we're praying that even the amusement park or wherever we go, 
Use this, Lord. Even the churches we may visit along the way. Use this, Lord. Not simply go and pray and preach and I've got to sing a song and I've got to play an instrument. No. May the Holy Presence of God go with each of us that people can know there's something different. Not for us, but for your glory and their good. What a way to think and live even during recreation. Obviously, this woman was all about that. From her prophets, she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and strengthens her arms. She perceives that her merchandise is good and her lamp does not go out by night. So essentially, she's staying up late and getting up early. Is that healthy? Depends. Certainly from what's described here, from God's Spirit, whatever we're reading here is healthy for the soul, the body, in every way. She doesn't oversleep. She's not somebody who's after herself, pampering herself. Well, my husband has his time with his friends and I have to have my time. She doesn't think that way. Well, my children, oh, how many mothers get frustrated, make a big deal about nothing. You look at the counterparts of godly women, really godly women. They pour themselves out without complaining. There's a yield from all of that because they know God is behind every effort I'm taking. Not only will He reward me for doing the right thing, but my children will one day, if not now, arise and call me blessed. Why? Because they would have seen Christ in me. That's the test of a good mother, especially on Mother's Day. Has Christ been seen in you? Is He seen in you? Same with fathers, on Father's Day or any day. God will not celebrate and flatter anybody. Anybody, regardless of, even if it's one of the people that are walking closest with Him, if they deviate. He's true. How can He lie? He cannot lie. But, when somebody's faithful to Him, He will bless them. He will commend them. He will let everybody know, I'm with that person. Hallelujah. What a blessing for all the things we hear that may sound negative and it's an expose of the true nature of the hearts of people, especially in holiday times when flattery abounds. Just like Valentine's Day, perhaps the most hypocritical day of the year for the people who celebrate that day. We don't celebrate that day. We have our reasons. But we don't condemn people. Everybody has that liberty, but we have to think about what we're doing and why. What does it have to do with God? We can always Christianize things, but are you sucked into the mold of the world, pressured that I've got to do this and let me try to, try to find a way to Christianize it somehow? And Why? There's a lack of contentment. There's a pressure from the world and the mold and lukewarm Christianity that people feel I've got to do something. No, you don't have to do anything. Do what God says to do and don't do what He says not to do. Let that be your contentment. Flattery. False praises. May God help us. I'd rather, on Father's Day, if I was a member of a church or part of the ministry, if there's something that I know in my conscience I'm not doing right, 
I'd rather hear from people and even those who are sitting next to me. You know what? I love you and everything, but the Bible says iron sharpens iron. And Have you considered this, brother? Pastor, have you considered this? How do you apply this in one's life? Maybe it's an indirect route. Because I'm, I, people care. There's godliness. How did you speak to your wife? I've seen this with my eyes. Church planters, I've helped some. There's a battle right there in the parking lot. The kid's crying, the wife screaming at the husband. What happened to the Word of God? What happened to not just trying to look good in front of people? God is watching. What happened to that inner life? And Does God really care about church planting and preaching? If the heart is not right before Him? There's no fear for His Word? Of His Word? So, this woman is held up as a role model. Godly wife, godly mother. Now we can look at our past. We can say, you know what? I don't want to be fake, but this is really heavy on my heart. There can be someone who can say this heavy. I, I failed. Lord, I was not the godly mother at all, whatsoever. And even if I act like I was Christian, Lord, I was a hypocrite, Lord, because it was always about me. When I look at it in the final analysis, everything that I said revolved around Christ, actually, it revolved around me. At the end of the day, I can fight, I can fuss, I can cry, I can have self-pity and, and put down my husband, my children, think I'm clever and smart. There's a conviction. Lord, I've been fake. And with that, the devil can bring in what? Condemnation. The devil, not God. God brings a healthy conviction to transform a woman from the inside out to be a godly wife and a godly mother, at least from now on, if that's the case. Another person can hear this and say, oh well, there's another sermon, it's, yeah, there's a nonchalant kind of lackadaisical and, yeah, I guess that's how the person handles life. It's more about sightseeing, not settling down anywhere. They go through life like that, sightseeing, when it comes to God's Word and the messages. It essentially goes in one ear out the other. I've said this before, not only before the Lord myself from my own heart, but to my family and to others. I'd rather have nothing, no one, to say anything good about me or do anything for me or feel any kind of way of so-called comfort than to be wrong in the sight of my God who knows me inside out. I'd rather have nothing, be thought of as nothing, scorned by people, thought of as a fool, than to be thought of as a fool by God Himself. That's what you call the work of the Holy Spirit by the grace of Jesus.
in somebody's heart. That's it. That means everything else is a whole lot of fakery. Now on that day, like Noah's flood, it'll all be gone. It'll all be gone. We need to know what we're building today. How are you building your home? If you haven't done that, you failed. You have to come clean before God and say, Lord, from what I'm hearing, it was really about me. I'm sorry, Lord. I tried some things, but ultimately, Lord, I really cared about what I thought more than what you said. And there was some manipulation, perhaps, with your word. and It was still about my image and how I feel about me and how people perceive me. God says, I love you. That's the reason I told you this. Now, be very zealous. Turn your back on all that. No more fakery. No more flattery. Don't give flattery. Don't receive flattery. Keep your heart intact before me. Know the truth. Hold it to the truth. Obey the truth. And then the real praises will come. God will open people's mouths. You know from where? Right from the home where it matters most. The very husband that knows the wife inside out. He can glamorize her, his wife. He can post things on Facebook. He can buy her the big gift or whatever. We ought to show love. We ought to forgive. But don't flatter. That person who knows the actual person inside out who he's living with, if the woman is right before God, God will see to it that man's mouth will open one day sooner or later to say with 100% conviction and in truth. God has given me a godly wife. She really cares about her soul before God. First and foremost, she fears the Lord. And she really genuinely cares for me and if we have children, our children. She's concerned that we follow Christ all the way. God will open people's mouths, especially the ones you live with, to say that. Without any solicitation, directly or indirectly. Some people dress their best on certain occasions to receive compliments. To receive flattery. To make themselves feel good. When will we stop relying upon feelings and living for feelings? Feelings are God-given emotional capacity and faculty. But it must come under truth. Truth in the inward parts. Then the right feelings will come. Then the right praise will come. And I can receive the right praise and send it right back to heaven because it came from my Father. Everything I am and everything I do. I get blessed. This is what God wants. As we finish, she's not afraid. Uh, it says she extends. Let's go to verse 19. She stretches out her hands to the distaff and her hand holds the spindle. She extends her hand to the poor. Yes, she reaches out her hands to the needy. She's not afraid of snow for her household. She's a very courageous woman, a woman of valor. She knows, I've got to get this done for my family. Many women are keen on that when it comes to food on the table, merchandise, clothing, 
too many people pass that off when they read Proverbs or hear it. Well, I, I'm doing that. I don't let my kids go with holes in their pants and raggedy shoes. That's good. There's a level of concern there. That's good. But it's not the main thing at all. Are you concerned with the spiritual shoes they're wearing? Are you training the child to bring gospel of peace? Do you have the armor of God on? Woman of God? Mother? Wife? Are you a warrior for Christ? Not by self-assertion, self-image, self-pity and self-promotion? In vanity? But of a truth, a woman like Mary. Humble before the Lord. Precious in the sight of God because she really feared the Lord and loved the Lord. Only then can I know how to train my children, not only to do battle, but to wear the armor, first of all. Your chief concern as a mother, if you're a mom, yes, to bring children to Christ. Sometimes these phrases can become uh, a generic type of um, motto or slogan. The details are, I want to teach my child how to wear that helmet of salvation securely. I want to make sure my child has the breastplate of righteousness. I don't want to just buy him props and silly lessons. Play silly cartoons in the name of Christ. There's a time for laughter. Humor is good. But what's the net result? Is it leading the child to want more of God and become more serious about God while having fun, quote-unquote? Or is there a degeneration there? It seems the more Christian stuff they're getting, the more they get to church, the more they do this and that. Even though God has made things available, it seems not to touch the child. Then woman, you must pray on your knees with tears on your face. Say, my God, my child is perishing. Why are you providing food? It's not getting in. There are always those who say, well, we don't know what's getting in or not, and I know something's trickling in. It's not enough. We can't gamble with a child so like that. So what do you do? Do you hammer the child with the Bible every night? No. The greatest influence is your life as a mother. When the Holy Spirit takes you over, it will destroy the devil's plans and foil everything that he's planning with your children. No matter what age they are, what they act like, what they think like, what they associate with, God will destroy and demolish every stronghold of the devil. If you really are a Proverbs 31 type of woman. And with a husband also. And if you have a godly husband, godly children, they're on the same page with you, hallelujah. Your heart will rejoice with faith. We're going to go deeper. It's not enough for us just to say, I'm going to follow Jesus. We're going to really understand and follow through with what it means to deny ourselves as a family, as individuals. Take up our cross. Lord, what's your mission? That's the excitement, hallelujah, to do God's will. Not somewhere in the future, career and this thing and that thing, and I hope to do this ministry. Right now, I'm going to serve God, serve my family where I'm at, physically and spiritually. Praise be to God. Quickly, we're going to run through the rest of this. Whoever has been hearing and has the Bible open to Proverbs 31, 
Please read from verse 20 down to the end of the chapter. Verse 20, NIV version. She extends her helping hand to the poor and opens her arms to the needy. She has no fear of winter for her household, for everyone has warm clothes. She makes her own bedspreads. She dresses in fine linen and purple gowns. Her husband is well known in the, at the city gates, where he sits with the other civic leaders. She makes belted linen garments and sashes to sell to the merchants. She is clothed with strength and dignity, and she laughs without fear of the future. When she speaks, her words are wise, and she gives instruction with kindness. She carefully watches everything in her household and suffers nothing from laziness. Her children stand and bless her. Her husband praises her. There are many virtuous and capable women in the world, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty does not last, but a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. Reward her for all she has done. Let her deeds publicly declare her praise. Praise God. This was a nility version. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Charm is deceptive. And beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord, she should be praised. Pastor Kerb has brought this up several times. A number of things that we speak within our meetings, they're given to people who have been built up to that level of spiritual appetite. Not everything we speak in the meetings here, we speak outside in other ministry venues. We have not, because people won't be able to receive it. doesn't mean we're holding back the truth, because we're afraid of them not liking us, no. The Spirit of God knows what everybody needs, where they're at. As Kirby said this, there are many, many women that call themselves and call each other women of God. And Pastor has mentioned this. They're not women of God. They're barely coming to the basic stages of uh, elementary steps. To be a real woman of God, according to the biblical definition, is what you see over here. Is someone that has such an effect on her family that the fear of God is promoted right there and the love of God. That the family and the closest people are able to rise up and say, this is a wife or mother truly filled with the Spirit of God. Why say terminology? Why 
Why throw words around that are biblical? If it really doesn't apply, you don't have to do that. Somebody's called a man of God. It's not just about preaching and having a suit or a clerical collar and you have a Bible, you went to seminary or you've been preaching for a while. Paul says, you man of God, flee what? Youthful lust. Flee the desires, the covetousness. Flee laziness. Flee all your self-agenda. Are you mature enough to transfer godliness to other people? Convey the fear of God to other people? There are many people preaching everywhere, but if you're called a man of God, you should have the heartbeat of God, not just in compassion, or what's perceived as compassion, nice guy, down-to-earth preacher. He spent a lot of time with me. Not necessarily the definition of man of God. Could be some of those things. But mainly, there's a presence of God and a reverence for God. It's not pretense either. It's real. And I can't get away with sin or anything that is false when I hear that preaching from that person. Or hang out with them. I'm not, I know I won't be flattered. I know I won't be condemned. But I'll be given the truth. Because that person is living the truth. A woman of God is one who fears the Lord. We've spoken on this many times. From the Word of God. What does it mean to fear the Lord? It's the opposite of what? This deceitful charm and fleeting beauty. The beauty that God is looking for comes from the inside. Ultimately, that's what's going to happen. God will test everything on that day. And dare I say, He will test every Mother's Day, every Mother's Day celebration, to see whether we have actually spoken the right thing, whether we received the right praises. God has not called us not to honor mothers or fathers. The Bible says you ought to highly esteem one another in love, for love's sake. He said prefer one another. What we do in our church We celebrate Mother's Day and Father's Day. We do. We encourage. We recognize. Because we pray that way too. Every bit of improvement. Every progress. We thank God for it in our personal prayer, in our family prayer. We see that. We pray for moms. As we're going to do tomorrow, we pray for fathers. There are blessings that God wants to give. But we don't flatter. So know which side of the fence you're on. And know whether you're going to speak the truth. Are you going to pray more than you speak? How many times have you come before the Lord with tears of gratitude for some mother, some wife, some woman in our midst. 
I'm talking about privately. Your heart is just filled with thanksgiving to God. Because you recognize the good in them. God wants us to recognize the good in them. And pray and praise Him for that. Because it's God's Spirit working. But you see, before I can really celebrate anything, really recognize the good, I need to do away with all that's false. That's a good way to live. That's the proper way to live. Otherwise, what will happen is like piling things on top of another. Painting something that is tin and rusted with gold paint. Saying, look, isn't that golden? So I pray that the Spirit of God would have done a work even this morning to help everyone, not only women, but men also, to know that it's the one that really fears God is the one that will be praised. It's not fun to hear. It's not fun to hear. In the ears of most people today who call themselves Christians, that's the truth. But it is the truth that can make such a godly woman out of those who are listening who are women that you actually influence a generation of flatterers to turn into faithful women of God, real women of God. There's a place to honor in the light of truth. And as uh, somebody mentioned the other day, Pastor, how do I be careful not to flatter? When do I recognize when I'm crossing the line? If we receive the truth and we begin to pray and ask God, God will show you. You may be surprised when God says, don't say that now. But God, it's a good thing. Is it a true thing? What do I say, Lord? I have to say something. No, you don't. Can you smile without saying anything? Yes. And Lord, what do I say? Don't we want that? To walk with God? And even in our celebrations, to know that God is present, He wants to see. God is the biggest uh, person who loves celebrations and festivities. He's a God of celebration, but not like most people think. When we understand who He is and His holiness, then we can celebrate the way He wants us to. God, I believe, will help you apply everything you've heard, whatever aspect in your lives, because he is making a holy people for himself. People who love from the heart, who see the good in people, but will not tolerate lies. He commended certain churches in Revelation. He said, you're doing a lot of good, and, but another thing I like about you, you don't tolerate lies. So it's our choice. If we really want to be holy people, true people, we have to say, what is the description of a woman of God? It's right here, Proverbs 31. We see in the book of Timothy, Titus, different places. Why don't we take all of what God says 
and just kneel before the Lord and say, Lord, help me to understand. You'll be amazed. You'll be amazed as I've been. Just take the word of God, kneel down before the Lord and say, Lord, I've heard this, I've read this, but I want to know what your spirit is saying to my heart. And then God will change us. Can you say Happy Mother's Day to people? Of course you can. We're seeing the good in people. And we want to bless the people. Who made the person a mother? It didn't happen by themselves. It's God's grace. Who gives physical children spiritual children? God does. Everything that is good is from God. Thank God. Let me see God's definition of what a woman of God is. Praise God. A woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands. Just be careful, brothers and sisters. Uh, the Spirit of God has been conveying this through Pastor myself, in different times. Know what the definition of a woman of God is from God and then use it sparingly because the fact is it's not a woman who's saved that can be called a woman of God. But according to the biblical definition it's a woman who's actually on point with the Spirit of God. It's a woman who's mature, not with sophisticated words and vocabulary and theology or years under, you know, a record chronologically or in the church or serving. No. It's the quality of Jesus Christ, the qualities manifested in that woman. You see a woman of God, you won't see self-assertion. You won't see the drive for self-image. A woman of God is a mature woman who whether anyone praises her or not, she's absolutely in the innermost being content because she knows God thinks highly of her. She really fears and loves God. A woman of God is a mature person. She's able to, with her presence, convey the presence of God. It's a powerful thing. Many, many places you'll have a lot of celebrations and banners and this and that. It's good. If the message is preached that will cause the people to be sober and enjoy the celebrations in the context of God's truth. We can have all kinds of things. God's not against celebrations. As I said... He is the chief celebrator of the universe. He is. He's such a wonderful, happy, glorious God, but He's a holy God. I thank God for Pastor Kerber, her training in godliness as a real woman of God. Because she always has said, we celebrate, we ought to celebrate with all our hearts, celebrate with everything. Do things that are... Uh, in other words, don't hold back. It's time to praise God, enjoy His presence, 
we need to enjoy it to the full. We don't need to feel guilty and have some kind of twisted religion where I need to be sad and I need to be careful I don't get too happy. No, that's from the devil. Don't get silly. But God never said don't be too happy. But to celebrate with all our hearts. But you see, the truth will cut away all the lies and the things that the devil throws in and it really breaks my heart because I've seen people leave celebrations, enjoy celebrations and flattery and everything's there. There's no difference in their homes. There is no difference in their homes. They just use the word of God. It's like dropping lines, name dropping. It's a grief. But on the other hand, you see certain people as in our church by God's grace, by God's grace, by God's grace, by His Spirit. There's a stirring deep within the soul. That God is calling me deeper, hallelujah, to walk with Him. Oh, I love this, what the Holy Spirit has recorded in Proverbs 31. And in Timothy, and in Peter. I'm going to be that, hallelujah. So help me God. I want to be a real woman of God. Mature. Diligent with the things of God. On fire for God. We get sick and tired of hearing that phrase. On fire for God. He's on fire for God. She's on fire for God. What is it? Maybe emotional at that time. Maybe loud and dancing at that time. Maybe active in charity work and trying to win people to Christ. No godliness in the life. person who is really on fire for God... They fear the Lord of hosts. They reverence Him inside out. From what they think in their heart, what they pray, how they think about people, to what they wear on the outside, how they carry themselves. This woman has dignity. She's honorable. Her clothing, everything... But you know what? The hidden man on the inside is what's most precious about her. Glory be to God. A woman of God, we have a definition of it now, is a woman who is not like the women of this world. Big on charm, charming speech, just the right words. And There's some women that they're very much motivated but what men think about them. Not only their own husbands, husbands and other women. Should not be like that. Same thing with men. We should be true and say, Lord, I'm concerned about what you think about me. I want to be right in your sight. And when I'm right with you, then people say, my own works will praise me in the gates. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. It's not easy to hear, but this is the absolute truth. And we'll be able to celebrate wonderfully, fully. Even if we don't have a big congregation, a lot of committees and this and that to do great things, there's a joy that's irreplaceable. Hallelujah. Just like I mentioned about Christmas. 
as we close this morning, person who doesn't have the spirit of Christmas, quote-unquote, when there's no tinsel, no foil, no tree, no gifts, that means that what they thought about Christmas was faulty. The entire celebration was actually standing on a faulty foundation. Now granted, it can, we're human beings, we're physical people. It's nice to see things that are beautiful. God made things beautiful. It's nice to have the things to celebrate. God is getting at the heart this morning. What kind of celebration is happening in the heart? That's more important. Amen? Then the outward will be wonderful and fine in God's sight. Praise be to God. Shall we pray? Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Celebration, 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 Lord. Lord, what kind of woman will be praised in your sight? That you will draw praise from people who really have been touched by God. It's a woman who will be able to say charm is deceitful. Trying to manipulate and speak a certain way and you don't want any part of that. Beauty, external beauty, it's a gift from God. We're supposed to take care of ourselves. But that woman, oh Lord, will say, it's something after all is temporary. Before long, wrinkles will come. Hair will go. The body will go. Even the best clothing won't be able to help when old age sets in at a certain point or illness. I thank you, God. There's a beauty to a woman that is eternal. It's a fire that is burning that will bring warmth to every soul that meets her from the Holy Spirit. More than mere emotion, good feelings, nice time. Oh, thank you, Lord. Woman of God like Deborah. Woman of God like Lois and Eunice. Woman of God like Priscilla in the Bible. Like Sarah when she became a woman of faith. Lord God. And thank you, Father. That, Lord, these days you are continuing to purge and to prune. Hallelujah. Purge and to prune. To come and pull out weeds, clean up the garden. So there's a rich, colorful, beautiful, healthy yield that you're looking for, Master. Thank you, Lord, that the women of this church are destined by your divine design of the revival you're working. To be spirit-filled Godly mothers and godly wives, godly women of God, whom the devil will be afraid of because they're holy people. Oh, hallelujah. Holiness unto you, Lord. Oh, God. Holiness unto you. Holiness unto you. Holiness unto you. Thank you, Jesus. And women who have love, 
Oh, self-sacrificial love, my God. No more frustrations and fidgetiness, Lord. Getting irritated and thinking about themselves. To whomever it applies, my Father. Not everybody's like that. But Lord, we love each other. Oh, you place love. And so, Father, as spiritual parents, Lord, Pastor Kevin and I are called to speak the truth, the whole truth. To help everyone to get better as we ourselves look to you to get more and more like Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, what you can do with a woman like Susanna Wesley, with all those children, Lord, well over ten children, such a godly woman, Lord, godly children, among them, two men, John and Charles Wesley, who used mightily, O oh God, from their youth, to shake nations. Hallelujah. Oh, I pray, whether physical children or spiritual children, the women in our church, Lord, the women, will have that kind of effect and even more. Lord, you will rejoice over each of them with singing. I thank you, Lord. You never take anyone who thinks they have righteousness. We get it from you. But Lord, no matter how far we have been from you, whether man or woman or child, oh my God, oh my God, you're so good, Lord. You're able to take us and love us while giving the truth to clean us up, to take away that which is excess, that which has become an abscess. Spiritual infection, Lord, you root it out. You destroy it so we can be healthy. Abba, Father, oh, you're coming soon, Lord. Help us to be people who really, really are excited about your return. Who know what we're going to face when you come back. Not like people who just celebrate. Sing about your return and say, yes, I want Jesus to return. I wish he'd fix this world real fast. Meanwhile, their souls are headed for hell. They don't even know what they're saying. Because they don't obey. They don't fear God. Lord, we don't want to be among those in the church crowd who will not be ready. But we want to be ready, Lord. That, Lord, not only the husband or the children or the people, brothers and sisters in the church, but one day we'll hear from your mouth, Oh, God. Oh, Father. You'll say, You did well. Because the heart is passionately in love with God. The priority every day, truly, it's not even ministry for ministry's sake or Christian activities, even Bible reading or prayer for their own sake. But to know more of the nature of my Almighty God to become like Him. Thank you, Lord. Praise you and thank you, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.